Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Unseen Universe. Thank you so much for joining us. We are very lucky that you are here with us and very grateful. My name is Kelly Ray. I am one of the co-hosts and along with us as always is Karen Dominguez-Cavin, aka The Wizard. How's everything going, KDC? I'm doing good. How are you, Kel? Magic dragon. Hanging in there, hanging in there. Holidays are among us. Chaos ensues. (laughs) Stress levels are high. It's amazing. The football uh, (laughs) Christmas shopping inside the mall is insane, where you have to go to the mall and become a linebacker to get through anything. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. It's like, I really do not like shopping on a very major online retailer that I won't name, Mm -hmm. but you know, every once in a while, I'm like, oh, it would just be so much easier if I do. So we yeah. shall see. I have gotten all of uh, one small Christmas present for one person of several that I have to shop for. So it will be a very interesting next couple of weeks. So, but it's all good, yeah. you know, all in all. My get Christmas giving is typically Christmas cards that I sit down and I handwrite because nice. my the most expensive thing I can offer to anybody I love and care for is the time. And my time is valuable and it is non-refillable. So when I give it to somebody by taking time to write or bake lots of cookies and send them off, <laughs> then that is the most valuable thing I can give infused with my love and, you know, attention for them individually. So that's, that's what I do. Sweet. We're doing something different in our family this year because we have quite a few people that we have to buy for. Like it's grown over the years as a lot of families do. So we finally this year have decided we we picked three names. Everybody's went in. So everybody gets at least three presents, um, like quote unquote big presents, you know, with a set money limit. So everybody gets three presents or a combination of whatever that money limit is. And then everybody's going to buy like a $5 gift for each person. So you still get to give each person one gift but mm-hmm. it's just something small, like either a gag gift or a pair of earrings or, you know, right. something cool deck of cards or something like that. So that way we can still give everybody a little something, but we're not like breaking the bank because in the years past, like it's just gotten where it's like, what we should not be going into debt to <laughs> buy Christmas presents. This is nuts. So we are switching it up this year. So we're going to see how that works. Should be good. Yeah. We changed ours with our kids after 9-11. And what we started doing was everybody, like my mom and and family, if they wanted to buy something for the my two sons, since they were the only kids, that they could, but that our gifts outwardly was, like I said, we together as a family for a week before Christmas would bake. We would bake Mm. breads and cookies and Rice Krispie treats and fudge and all of that. We would get glass jars to hold like cookies or spaghetti Mm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the boys would use puffy paint Mm -hmm. and design things on each one and then put a Christmas ornament that they had painted and attach it and give it to the person. And it would all have their name and the year on it. So each boy made so many and then we would attach, give those with the bags of goodies that we would give out. And oh, that's nice. because, because I wanted them to realize their time was the most valuable thing and their love because how sure. many people we lost during 9-11 that didn't get to say thanks to their loved ones or give to their loved ones that they wanted to. So for us, we really turned into that deeper connection of time, which is so valuable. 
and you know that we never seem to have enough of with our loved ones in the end so that's what we started doing the most of anything so pretty much from my house you were always expected to come to my house and walk away with like a trader joe's bag filled <laughs> with cookies and goodies that's awesome hey Worst presents have been given. I love goodies. So, you know, everybody always bakes extra at the holidays. I mean, that's the that's the time to do it, right? That's super cool. Well, I guess we should go ahead and tell everybody what we're going to talk about this episode. <laughs> Sounds good. So we have decided we're going to do a brief intro on the differences between the words commonly known as psychic medium channel and healer and go into a little bit of detail on those. And then we'll go into a little bit more about what Karen does as far as quote those descriptions and those quote titles. And uh, we will just talk through that a little bit. And uh, have another follow-up episode with some things that I'm sure we'll touch on during this session. So with that, I will say, oh, wait, hold on. Before we get rolling, I just wanted to say, rewind. Haha. I just wanted to say thank you to all of our listeners that come back and listen to all of our episodes each week. We really, really super are grateful for it. We're still growing and we really hope to keep growing. So like and share and all that. But it's really cool because through our platform, we're able to see where our listeners are from. And as of right now, including the United States, we've hit six countries. So I think that's really neat. The majority of them obviously are from the U.S., but we've also hit the Netherlands, Germany, Australia, India, and Canada. And so I think that's really neat because we are technically and officially international. Hooray! So Yeah, Woo-hoo! it's really nice. And then we have in the States quite a few different actual states that have listened. It's not like just Texas or just Cali, like there's quite a few spread out. So that's really neat too. So thank you guys. We really appreciate it. And uh, yes, thank we you. are super grateful. So now fast forwarding back into where I left off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Karen, you describe yourself as typically a channel medium and healer. Well, aside from being like a spiritual coach what else do you, you have several titles. So, so it's like healer, let's, let's see. medium <laughs> channel. God, I, I can't think of them all. <laughs> I, I know spiritual coach uh-huh. um, and mentor teacher, angel communicator. It could be all kinds of things. I also work with doing house clearing. So there's a, a whole bunch of different details of what I do. And I never can have a full list of it right. because every time I think, okay, yeah, that's all I can do. And on the back of my card, it has a list of all these things that I do. But then somebody will call me up and say, hey, do you do this? And I'm like, in my head, I'm like going, no, I've never done that. And then I go, okay, just a moment. And I ask my guides and my guides will be like, yes, you need to learn how to do this. Tell them yes. And I'm like, yes, Have I you- do. Have you ever had something that your guides have been like, nah, that's not for you? I don't know necessarily if it has been a specific thing, but I have had clients call and get really specific about what they wanted me to do in a certain way Mm -hmm. that made me feel as if I was being asked to do the work that I'm supposed to do with both my arms tied behind my back. Mm -hmm. And my guides were like, nope. This is when you need to say no. You, yeah. This is okay. not right. They are, are asking you not to be in a safe place and in a safe way for you. So the answer is no. That's fair. So, 
as you just mentioned, like sometimes somebody will say, do you do X, Y, and Z? And you're like, no, oh wait, well, they're telling me that I can. So one of the most recent things that you've added to your list is ancestral lineage healing, correct? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure correct. if that's the correct terminology, but basically yeah. ancestral he- healing. Mm-hmm. Haven't figured out the right verbiage yet. <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Um, so that's really neat too, because that's something that you're still kind of coming into your own with and learning how to do, but completely open and obviously capable to do. It's just a matter of one of those many things that we all do along life and learning the right process and what works for you and the best way to bring in the information that you need to bring in for your clients, right? Right. And so as you're saying that, the image that they are putting into my head right now is literally like I see myself standing and connecting with the client would be reaching back and pulling the strings of connection through the lineage of the family, let's say, with a female woman, let's say I'm moving through the female lineage of her family where her gifts or traumas have come from, and I'm connecting and grabbing hold of all of those connections that draw that information and energy down into that person and really clearing the line from making like a stopping point is what they're showing me. So it's like, this is a stopping point with the person I'm working with and going backwards and having those strings to draw me back through the ancestors and histories. And, you know, 99% of the time it's somebody, the client doesn't even say, well, I don't know my fifth great grandmother. Well, of course, most people don't. (laughs) So there's no block between time and space, that bloodline, that energetic connection, your family is looking out for you and connected with you and asking for help from you and offering help for you. So there's a lot of like the way they're making me see with these cords of connection to these many, many, many generations. Cause like I'm, as I'm talking, I see about 12 generations back is where I'm trying to reference. So for me, that's a lot of people that we would not know in times we would not even understand consciously what it was like to live at that time or what those situations were that caused those traumas that repeated. And in this environment that we're in now would not be the normal place for that, but you are still having that block or barrier within yourself and in your psyche about being able to do things or capabilities or beliefs in yourself or disbeliefs within yourself. So about clearing that up and and blessing the wisdom that has come through all these people's suffering and growth and learning that they were not able to sit with you and say, hey, honey, this is this is what happens when you you connect yourself with this, or this is what happens when somebody does these types of things. They didn't get to hand that to you through loving stories and motherly support. You know, like when you're raising a child, you tell your kids, don't touch the fire, it's hot, it'll burn. And, you know, when they go to burn themselves, you're like, see, I told you it burns. (laughs) So it's kind of like what they do on the other side is they're trying to bring it forward because they not only want to help stop the perpetuation of the repeated trauma or stress within the person. They also want to help heal backwards to heal and release that link to that vicious cycle, so to speak, of going through. So that's what they're showing me. And again, it, like you said, it's a very new thing that they brought up when it 
was spit out of my mouth to a client. And I was like, and I hit enter before I even thought about what I had written. I totally freaked out. But if that's what they tell me I'm going to be doing, I ask what I'm going to be doing. So it's really interesting because that is actually something about, mm, I'd have to say three, maybe four years ago, I was in LA and I was listening to the local public access radio station, whatever it is. I don't think it was NPR, whatever NPR plays on, but it wasn't an NPR only radio station. Mm -hmm. And they had this guy on when we get done or tomorrow, I will look it up and I will send you this guy's link and his info because I think it would be really interesting for you because I almost bought his course. I was so fascinated. I can't remember the exact words that he uses, but it's basically ancestral lineage healing, something along those lines. Mm -hmm. And it's like ancestral trauma healing or something like that. I don't know. And essentially he explained pretty much what you just did. And he had a couple different ways that he could do it, but like he would see a client and he would have, he would talk to a client, for instance, I think he talked about this one woman he spoke with, and she was just telling him about her childhood. And he, she told him about this one time where she fell and got hurt. And he was like, okay, wait, we need to discuss this. And she was like, I just like broke my leg. It's not a big deal. Like I moved on or whatever. And he was like, no, 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 no. There's something in there. And so they went through this, whatever method he goes through, he found out that this particular bone break had something to do with trauma from ancestors that was coming through. And it wasn't that I don't want to get the stories mixed up, but for instance, he was saying like, Eight times back, your great grandfather could have been abandoned by their parents because of X, Y, and Z. And that abandonment feeling and issue is passed down genetically in your DNA, your spiritual DNA over those times. And so sometimes people are like, I don't know why I have this abandonment issue. I grew up with both parents and they were loving and I've mm. never been left at a store accidentally, you know, or any of that. <laughs> and it's like, where is this coming from? And a lot of times when you sit down with a healer like that and like what you are learning to do, you go back and it's like, oh, well, this stems way back and it doesn't really have anything to do with me personally. It's this ancestral spiritual DNA that's been passed down. And so his process, he was saying, look, once I heal, I'm able to heal the person and make that connection. I'm able to not only heal that particular issue all the way back to the root source through all the ages going mm -hmm. backwards in the ancestry, but also for any offspring moving forward, they will not have that unless an actual abandonment issue pops up, but it won't be rooted in their DNA to start off from birth. And I was so fascinated by it. And I started looking into it and I was like, this is bananas, but I was <laughs> so drawn in because, you know, some things, you know, I'm a little skeptical still about certain things and I'm like, oh, I don't know, let me do the research. But it was like, I connected with it so quick. And I was like, I want to learn how to do this. This is cool. And this is awesome. And like, think of how many people you can help just with like one person, you can help all these ancestors. And I just think it's really amazing because I'm all about the ancestors and the elders, because obviously we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. Right. So, <laughs> right. Oh. It's, and it's funny as you talk about that and your draw to that, the information that's coming up is about ancestral healing for you, but it is not time for that healing for you as of yet. Mm -hmm. That healing is going to happen when you start building on your land. Ah, well, if they can ever figure out where it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, which is also a purpose. Don't get me wrong. I know. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. Yeah, it's interesting because the thing they bring up is 
finding the boundaries of your land is part of that beginning of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and then the um, the four corner posts, and I don't know why they literally show me like almost like tree trunk posts that I am being focused on the points of the four corners of where the structure is. Mm-hmm. Those points that this is where a lot of that is going to almost like feel like it's going to come up for you and start. But your healing process and healing backwards, because I feel like I feel like I want to talk about land that slipped out from under somebody. Mm. You know, this is the thing that comes up that they want to start helping you with. But now is not the time. Once you start doing the things with the land as you're doing that beginning mm-hmm. part, this is where that journey will start for you. Oh, very interesting. Well, I'm glad that they uh, agree that now is not the time because I have way too much chaos going on right now. I don't think I could handle it. So uh, yeah. they know what's so up. They're like, like she ain't little... ready. She ain't ready. <laughs> like a little bit more time. <laughs> like, no problem. I'm all good there. I am. Uh, I'm not chomping at the bit for that yet. I will. I will embrace it when the time is correct. But anyways, sorry to get off on a tangent. But since we brought it up, I I. I'm really so fascinated by it. And I think it's such a cool thing. And I can't wait for you to really delve into that part of your abilities more. And I'll be so fascinated about with permission, of course, hearing the stories from your clients and what that's meant to them. And I kind of feel like there's a book in the future for that, but I digress. So um, I do like just now I was like, Ooh, this could make a great book. Okay. So let's move on in. I know a lot of people get really confused about the differences between psychic and medium and channel and healer. Is there a difference? What's the difference? Are some of them the same? Is there overlap? And if we could kind of break that down as best as we can to what we feel like are the differences, because there is differences, but there is also overlap. So which one would you like to start with? Do you want to start with, um, you want to start with psychic, even though we just had a very good conversation <laughs> offline about our feelings about that word. <laughs> well, yeah, psychic, you know, there's there's a big Hollywood hook to that. And and I mean that in a good way because we all love a good movie and good mystery and all of that. But there is a lot of negative connotation that comes to the word psychic. And it always was really difficult for me to use that word trying to describe what I do. Cause I was like, no, I'm not a psychic. I'm not a psychic. So, you know, because in my mind, what people are looking for is, you know, I'm all dressed a certain way and I have a crystal ball and scary things in front of me and everything that comes out of my mouth is kind of woo woo scary versus loving and supportive and guiding. So for me, a psychic is somebody that is going to talk to you about your past, to somebody who's going to talk about your future and your present. And these are impressions that they get uh, for all truth and honesty and transparency. I have to look it up and read what everybody thinks their basis is on what these differences are, because what I feel, because I've never really purposefully went out and done research on any of it. Everything Mm -hmm. that I've gathered in my life and my experience and my growth as a spiritual person has all been taught to me from the other side. So that would be from my spiritual support team, from my great grandmother, my brother, and my loved ones on the other side. 
and a lot of light beings and star people and things like that. So in the physical world, my ego is worried that I'm not going to explain it correctly because I don't read it. So I actually went out and read it trying to look to see what this really is. (laughs) So a psychic is, (laughs) yeah, I'm having to go back to school here. So a psychic is somebody who is looking into giving you impressions that they have about the past, the future, and the present. And not necessarily are they connecting with somebody on the other side, a loved one that's dead. And then for me, there's like an intuition. It's sort of, yeah. I think for me, it has a concern because the first thing I want to do is, are you being authentic and are you being true? And that's really important because your ethics as a psychic or medium or channel is really important. So the ethics of the person, like you wouldn't go up to a serial killer and go, hi, can you watch my kids for me? It's obviously you're not going to do that. So that's the same thing in the basis of what I do is you want to have somebody who has good set of ethics that isn't going to make chase you for your money in the point of your sorrow and fear. And to me, that's where you watch the movies in Hollywood. And that's what goes along with what you think of a psychic. And that to me is scary. So for me, my biggest thing has always been to be is ethically appropriate. And I'm sure if you have seen me on Zentu Healing or any of that, I'm very open about as a child, I was raped and molested. And for me, doing wrong to somebody by trying to read their thoughts or anything like that, to me, is spiritual rape. And that's very low ethics. So it's a low vibration. It's not a nice thing. So if I wouldn't want somebody to Reading their thoughts without their permission, obviously. Correct. So being able to jump into their mind and try to hear what they want to hear and see if they're saying, oh, say, tell me this, tell me this, and I'll know you're here. You know, that's not right. That's unethical. And for me, that's really important to be honest and truthful with them. And I try to do that and let clients know when I'm getting something, I'm like, okay, that's me. This is what I care and think. And this is how I feel about it. But now this is what I'm getting. So I try to make sure that if my opinion comes up, that it is known that is my opinion versus what I am hearing from the other side. So that's really important to be honest with your clients to give them discernment on the information they're receiving from me. Because if I don't get every single thing right, that doesn't make me not good. It just means that I didn't translated if I am in that place of being a medium connecting with the other side and they're trying to explain it to me and I'm not able to reference that understanding and communicate that well, then that's on me. But it doesn't mean that if in an hour we talk and I hit three really great points and nothing else, those great points should not be discounted because I didn't get something else. You take with you from what I share the things that are meant for you and that resonate with you. Because I may be giving you messages, let's say, for your sister or your aunt or your uncle when you go home and you don't understand it. And later in six months when you see them, you share what you heard and then it resonates with them. So all this time you didn't listen to the information that was really good for you just because the other part didn't work. So you have to be discerning and aware as well as I have to be ethical and honest about how I see, feel, and hear these things to give you the best message. So psychics, 
do it one way. Mediums, we connect with the spirit. We raise our vibration to connect with spirit realm and also your loved ones. So in the spirit realm, there's your angels, your guides, your loved ones. So there's all kinds of different vibrational energies on that side that we connect with that will come forward. And yes, we can call forward to your aunt or your uncle or your mom or your dad that are on the other side and ask them to come forward. But I always try to say, be open to whatever is there. Be open to the message. The one delivering it isn't always the most important part, but it is the message. So your mom may come through and give a message that your dad has because your dad's energy just isn't able to speak up or would rather it be heard more clearly from somebody else. So that's important to know that when we start a session, it's important to know that be open to the messages and know that the right messages are going to come through for the proper healing and guidance for you. And also just because your dad doesn't show up doesn't mean you know, he doesn't love you. He's not there. Most often what I feel is kind of like a mom would step up and a dad kind of stands behind her holding space. So mm -hmm. they will make themselves known, but maybe not full on go into a full conversation like maybe the mother would. That's important to pay attention to. Okay. And so you just touched, so you touched on psychic and medium there. What about a channel? Is that a little bit different than a medium or is there a lot of overlap there? Or what would you consider the channel slash medium verbiage? Well, for me, a channel, like I channel. And so for me, when I channel, and I used to have to like be like totally in this chill place and go into a deep meditation and whatever to get there. But because I've been channeling for so long and for some reason, I'm just really good with, oh, you want to come in? Okay, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> and I let it, I let the I let the guides and the angels come in and I'm like, okay, go for it. You know, as long as I know and to reinforce what we said in the one of the very beginning episodes of our podcast is that I ask for my guides to always be my filter. So I have my my guide above me. So if you can imagine my crown chakra and there's a door like a steel door screen. And that's my guide that stands there. And he filters everything that comes in. So when somebody wants to come in, another angel or being of light or star being want to come in and communicate, they have to come through that connection with my guide so that my guide knows that this is safe and of the highest vibration for me and for whoever's receiving the messages from this person that wants to come in. And at that point, now I've gotten to the place when I channel that I kind of imagine myself, my soul consciousness kind of move over and sit on my shoulder like Jiminy Cricket, you know, the mm -hmm. being my conscious in my ear. And I kind of sit there and stay aware of my physical body, but I allow them to communicate using my vocal cords to really talk and animate me in the way they want me to be animated to communicate the information. So that's more of a channel because me, Karen, kind of just really steps out and sits on my shoulder and allows that to come through. And as a medium, I connect to that and I become the translator of the information from those spirits, your loved ones, and the higher beings on the other side, and I become their voice. So they will communicate to me in a million different languages that I, Karen, do not speak, <laughs> but I understand it. 
And if I can't figure out how to translate it from their language into a word in English that I understand, I ask them to give me images because mm-hmm. as a, you know, photographer, I can I can explain an image. And so they've used imagery for me many, many times to help me get messages across and clients crying, can't believe that I got that. How did you know that? And I'm like, I didn't, I had to get a picture so I could understand mm-hmm. it. So those are the different ways and channel. There are some people that are, I think one of the words, what is it's a trance channel. So that's kind of like you go into a trance. I don't know if I would say, I may have done that a few times because I know there are several times that I have dropped into that place where I can feel somebody coming in and I'm like, oops. And I, and before I can even say, Hey, I'm out of here, I'm gone. And then I wake up and it could be as much as an hour later. And I have no concept of what was said or what my body did. Mm -hmm. So that's for me would be closest thing I consider to a trance because I am not aware of it. Mm-hmm. But when I channel, I have asked my guides to allow me to stay more present in the way that I am able to protect my physical body if something was to happen in the environment I was in. Mm-hmm. But I keep my consciousness and my ego and everything in check and out of the way. So none of my thoughts and opinions of the information flowing through are ever stopped or blocked by me. You're just like a radio, basically. Exactly. The transmitter, Mm -hmm. letting them funnel through and you're just saying whatever it is that that comes through. Thank you. Those are some really important distinctions for people, I believe. And it's always good to get clarity because I certainly don't like it when everything is bunched into, oh, they're a psychic because it's not true, A, and B, as you and I discussed, there's a very negative connotation with the word itself, psychic, but that doesn't mean that people are not psychic and that doesn't mean that that ability does not exist for sure. Obviously um, it's the base of many other abilities, but um, I think it's really important to distinguish the differences between those because there is a difference. So then that leaves us with, I mean, there's lots of others. I'm sure if you really want to get like into micro descriptions and micro titles, but on the basis and general stuff, especially with the things that you do, that leaves us with healer. So energetic healer, what would you describe that to be? I mean, I know it sounds like it would be pretty self-explanatory. You know, you you heal. You have the ability to <laughs> heal people's energy and sometimes ailments, depending on what that may be. So can you describe to us, in your words, what that means to you? And being a healer, for me, it's a, a few things. You know, you're, like you said, energetic healer. So I'm healing and balancing the chakras and the energy centers and helping the flow within your body. Because when we've been in car accidents or emotional traumas, whatever, our energy centers get completely jacked up. And so we need to rebalance that to put us back in the sense of balance so that we can begin to heal ourselves because we are all natural healers because that is how we were created. That higher source created us when we are in balance and harmony, we heal ourselves. That's how our hair grows. That's how our nails grow. That's how our kidneys and liver and all of that does its stuff and our cells regenerate and all of those things. That's our healing normalcy. So when we have trouble in those energy centers that are not in balance, we don't heal properly. So energy gets stuck. We don't feel well. 
So my job is to heal that (laughs) and I sense it. So I get into like kind of what we just talked about, kind of a channeled state. I stand there and I ask my guides to move all of my thoughts, feelings, opinions out of the way and guide me in helping my client for whatever they need. So I close my eyes when I do my work so that I don't get my ego and my thoughts and opinions involved in what I think of the person. I close my eyes and I allow my hands to literally feel the vibration of their body. And so I don't only just look at their energy, but it it becomes a medical intuitive type of thing because I start to see organs and bones and um, old energies, like we talked about ancestral healing. I can see all of that in all the layers of the being. I remember one client I had, and this is probably one of the craziest ones that it really tripped me out because here comes in this young guy. He was probably, I don't know, 19 to 23, somewhere in there very well built, walked right into my office with no problems, no lump, no nothing, laid on the table because I asked him not to tell me anything just to get on the table and I'd let him know Mm -hmm. what I found. So I started, I first balanced his chakras, made sure everything was okay. But it was interesting as I balanced his chakra, the first thing I started feeling was the entire right side of my body felt so weird because when I'm doing the healing, I I become almost like I I feel their injuries and stuff within my own body so that it helps me understand. I felt like I had a perfect line down the center of my body from my head down to my pubic bone and my one whole right side of my body was affected. And I'm like, God, this feels so weird. I feel totally normal on my left and my right side feels weird. So I kept working on him and working on him. They had me do a whole bunch of work on the right side of the body, muscular and skeletal. And then I finished and he got up and I said, how do you feel? And he's like, I feel really good. And I said, well, let me tell you what I got. And I said, it was so interesting. I didn't understand this. And I hope you can, you know, share with me, if you will, what this is. But I feel like the whole right side of my body was crushed. I'm like, I I don't know how to explain it. Like one whole side, like a perfect line down my center. And he goes, yeah, I work in the movie industry and a wall fell on me and crushed Mm -hmm. my right side of my body. And I was like, oh my God. (laughs) And it was so startling to me because even though this is what I've done my whole life, it's it still blows my mind. How did I see and feel that? Because looking at him, there was no indication whatsoever that had happened to him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, really? And he goes, yeah. He goes, it was literally dead center, half my body. It went right down the middle. He goes wow. from the top, do- top of my head all the way down to my pubic bone. And he goes, the whole right side of me was crushed. And I said, did you break bones? And He's like, yeah, he goes, a lot of the damage was in my hip and my shoulder and stuff like that Mm -hmm. because the way that the wall fell on him. So that was a sensation of doing that healing work. I saw it in my third eye and I couldn't understand what it meant because the way it just kept making me be guided to one side. So they made me feel it in my body and they make me feel it in my hands. So I'm not only having sight, I'm having physical feeling and then energetic feeling. So this is what they do in that healing to help me understand about healing the physical body, healing that trauma within him, because that's, you know, that's a trauma physically, that's scary as hell, you know, having this thing fall on you. But doing the healing work through that, 
it helped me to see the different levels of things within his body that needed help because his energy, and it sounds funny, it was very crushed on one side. So the energy centers were not making a perfect energetic circle of the energy flowing well. So it was like I had to really, for lack of a better pump up the side of his chakras Mm -hmm. to really help them flow better because they weren't, he wasn't having the strength in his being that he said he had had before. So that's what I worked on. And that I don't go to every single client and do that. It's like, I go to start my session and in my mind, I'm like, okay, this is what I do when I do energetic healing is I go over here, I connect with the chakras and I put my hands there and my hands become the instruments of information for me. And it, with my eyes closed, it starts popping up as imagery in my head and feelings within my hands. They feel like magnets. So when there's heaviness and things that need to be cleared from the body, I feel that tingling on my hands. So that's where I know I know where to stop and do the work. And then if I don't catch it or understand it from the guides for that person, then I feel it in my body. So then I feel it in my body and I open my eyes and I'll look on their body and make sure my hands are in that area and stay there and close my eyes again to see what other information, feelings, imagery that they will give me. Because sometimes they'll just pop out words in my head. I'll hear words like I had one, I want to say they were saying I think it was like pancreas. I think it was. And another one brought up some blood disease. And I can't even remember what it is now, but they brought up this blood disease and just kept saying the word. And I'm like, I know this is a blood disease. I don't understand. And the person was like, yeah, that's what I have. And I was like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, you know, Mm -hmm. so I couldn't have known it. Right. And the guides didn't have any other way to get it to me, but to say the word in my head. And that's all they kept repeating. So as a healer, It's not just your physical, it's your emotional, it's your spiritual. And like we said, the lineage, it goes through a lot. And it has changed massively since my first memory of being a childhood healer. Because my first memory, I was around three when I was doing it, of doing healing work. And the basis of it was all with my hands still. Mm -hmm. Very connected with my hands. I knew where it was and I could see it. I could see when my mom was in pain, I would know mm-hmm. to do something. I'd put my hand on her. And my my childhood brain told me to, and this is very childish, so forgive me for any bad words, to suck it out of her and to pull it into my body. And then I had to imagine I would tell it, okay, I don't want to feel it, but I wanted it in my body to get away from her. And then I would send it into deep space. And that was Mm -hmm. my own child process Mm -hmm. imagery that I used. And nobody in my family ever told me that. So as I got older, I realized, okay, I don't need to put it in my body. I just need to take it and transfer Mm -hmm. it. And so it helps a lot, you know, as you grow and learn, but instinctually what I did at three, there's just a small variation of that of what I do at 56. <laughs> well, it's interesting that you use that imagery because I have a friend who is also extremely gifted. And many years ago, I was with her and she was, I think she had a headache or she just wasn't feeling great. And she was like, come here, I'm going to teach you how to do something like come over here. And so Mm -hmm. she was like, put your hands on my head and go to where you think the spot is. It's bothering me. And I just, I was just like, I don't know what I'm not, but I did. (laughs) 
And she was like, mm-hmm. you instinctively went exactly to where I needed this removed. But aside from that, and I'm not saying that to brag, I'm just saying, because then from there she was, and she had taught me about this process before, which I did not perfect because at the time I uh, was not in the greatest of, I was open, but I wasn't really fully ready to like really embrace it, learn learn that next step per se, because I, it was like, I was just like, I don't know. I couldn't see the same things the way that she did. And at that time I was just like, I can't see what you see. So it's hard. I didn't know how to make the process my own. Basically. I wasn't sure how to make the process my own, but anyway, she told me, she was like, basically when I do this, if I feel like there's yuck on something like she sees like kind of like this black shadow if you will or Mm -hmm. gook or whatever and she'll take her hands and she'll literally take her fingertips like no people listening can't see me but she'll take her fingertips and wrap it around and pull it out almost like if you were pulling play-doh or dough out of a Mm -hmm. you know a bowl or something and then she like flicks it and when she flicks it she literally has this imaginary like kind of like i'm sending this into like a black hole where it cannot be of any harm to anybody else now whether or not she goes through to let it to ask it to be transmuted into light i don't know i don't remember all that but i do remember it was kind of similar where it was like she would take it and it would like flick because i remember she was like okay now take it and flick it and she was like yep you just flicked it all over the wall but that's okay cuz we're going to clean it up and so- <laughs> I was like, I don't know where the black hole is. <laughs> she was like, it's fine. It's all good. You got it. And so everybody has their process, but I find that very interesting similarity where it was kind of like you send it in deep space or you send it into this black hole out of this realm of your knowledge so that it's away and out. And then I will just touch really quickly on the one of the times that I had, I think it's the only time that I can recall that you and I actually did a healing session where I was like actually on the table and you and I had known each other maybe six months or so, certainly not nearly as well as we do now, but well enough. uh, We were very comfortable with each other for sure. And it was so funny because there were two things that happened in that session. And I wish I could find the notes for that if I even took them because one, which obviously I can't tangibly verify, but I believe you because of who you are and because of so many other things that have been accurate but at one point you were like yeah you've got like a big knife sticking out of your your abdomen I don't remember if it was like my abdomen or my liver itself or something you were like yep pretty sure you've been killed in past lives like two or three times by stabbing in the stomach and I was just like awesome this is great (laughs) cool I guess my viking days were real so um but then what was so funny to me which was so quote small but for me at the time it was a very big acknowledgement. And it was something that really didn't even need healing per se. It was, I think, more of a validation. Validation. Thank you. Yeah. Validation is the word I was looking for. So I was laying there and you kept hovering over my left knee and you were like, what's wrong with your left knee? And I had on pants, so you couldn't see my skin or anything like that. I had on, you know, my yoga pants, Mm -hmm. like I always wear whatever they're called workout pants. And you're like, I'm feeling something in this knee. Like what's going on with this knee? And I'm like, "Mm, no, no, nothing's wrong with the knee. I mean, like it's fine. And you're like, "Mm, no, I don't know. I feel something in this knee. Something's going on with this, this left knee. And I'm like, well, it seems to be all right. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. And you're like, all right, well, I'll do what I do. And we moved on. And I was like, okay, I don't know what that was, man. I got home and I changed and I put on some other pants that were like short, like just above the knee basically. Mm -hmm. 
And like, I laid down on the couch. And so when I laid down on the couch, it came up a little bit and I looked Mm -hmm. down and I'll be damned if there wasn't a scab (laughs) on my knee from about a week earlier, I was walking to the store and (laughs) I fell in the middle of a freaking intersection, which was highly embarrassing, but it was also during COVID. So there weren't a whole bunch of cars out. So, okay, fine. And so I fell in the middle of the street and I skinned and banged up my knee really bad. Like in the moment, it really hurt. And I just started cracking up. I was like, oh yeah, there was something with my knee literally <laughs> just last week. Like, but in the moment that you were telling me, I was like, cause I'm thinking big, like, oh, I sprained it or I twisted it or it was in a brace or something, you know? And I was like, no, I, I literally did hurt my knee last week. That exact, the exact location she kept pointing. So anyways, it was very funny. And also after that, I was just like, okay, I'm not going to question very many things she tells me anyway. So I might question a few, but not a lot. <laughs> you should question everything, but it's, it's I'm so funny. And that's why, you know, when they give those va- validation points that I tell people that when I give you the information at the end of the actual healing session, I'm just going to spit it all out. Don't say anything. Just let me get it all out in no uncertain order. It just happens. And I said, and then you can confirm, deny or whatever I say. I said, because they're going to bring up things that have happened that you're aware of, big things, little things. I said, it could be bringing up a hurt, an injury from when you were a child that is healed and you have no problems with it, but just confirming that I see that it Mm -hmm. has been. And so that's what they do. So much like that, you weren't having any trouble at the time, but it is talking about an injury that was there that they were aware of that I, I personally could not be aware of. Right. Yeah. So I thought, you know, I remember you call texting me and telling me that and I was like, (laughs) I'm like, oh, okay. So I was right. Yeah. Because I was so adamant. I was just like, I have no idea what you're talking about. My knee is fine. I was like, I have a lot of trouble with my ankles back in the day, but not really my knees. So it was very interesting and fun and always, always nice to get that validation on, on both sides as, as the person giving the message and as the person receiving the message, because sometimes you, you aren't able to validate, like, you know, technically you and I can't validate that I was killed three times in a past life by way of sword or knife or, you know, something like that. Right. But intuitively, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> so, right. well, let's move on, I guess. Mm-hmm. And we've kind of already touched on it some. So we'll just kind of gloss over it a little bit. Most of the times in your sessions, I guess it really depends on what the client is wanting. But the assumption is you kind of combine your different abilities all in one session, correct? It's not like, okay, I'm only going to be a medium today because that's just not how it works. It's basically whatever is going to come through in whatever way it comes through. And sometimes that is the intuitive side or the medium side or the channeling side or the healing side. Am I right? You are absolutely correct because (laughs) what I I do now, um, I used to, you know, I would only do readings like this and I would do healing like this. And what I found is honestly, when I, I do a session, which is easier for me to say now, to do a session, I used all of my abilities because when I'm here to help you, I need to help you in whatever way I can. So if you're sitting in front of me and we're talking or we're, you know, on Zoom chatting and I see something wrong and we're in the middle of a so-called reading, I'm not going to be like, you should make an appointment for a healing. I'm going to be like, you know what? I'm noticing there's something going on in your liver. You need to do this, this, and this, and this is what they're bringing up. Because for me, 
if they're bringing something in about healing, something about channeling, something about a mediumship, whatever it is, or something they're bringing up that is in the future for you, I'm not going to stop it because if they need you to hear it, then I'm going to speak it. Mm -hmm. So whatever it is that you're needing in any of the capabilities that I have, I'm going to share it because Mm -hmm. that's my job. My job is to not put my ego in it and to keep that out of the way and allow whatever's for the greatest and highest healing and support for you on your journey, whatever it may be within the hour we're together. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that because there definitely are people out there that are like, sorry, next session. And at the end of the day, when I go see somebody, I would much rather them have the same approach that you do because I will 1000% be more likely to go back to see them then again, another time, because I'm like, well, they, you know, they easily could have just skirted around that and then texted me later and been like, you know, I was feeling something. Why don't you book another appointment? So I don't know if that's more of process for people or more of ethics for people. That's kind of a fine line because I think that I think it has to do with ethics for yeah, me. I I would because, say I lean more that way. Yeah, because if you were sitting here talking to me and I saw something coming up in lack of kidney function and saw something happening and that I could tell you you need to be aware, maybe go get some blood tests or something mm-hmm. because I feel like there's an issue with kidney function mm-hmm. and you need to watch what you're eating and you know, hydrating mm-hmm. yourself enough. If I didn't tell you that and you suddenly had kidney failure and had to be on dialysis and I heard about it, I would feel awful that I did not hold up what my job was, which was to give you all the information that I receive in the time we're together. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So of these abilities that we've spoken about, I mean, at this stage in your life, you've done done all of them for so long. This might be a hard question to answer. But do you still have one that you feel like comes most naturally to you? That's like your go-to, that's where I go to first, and then I allow the others to come through? Or is it at this point, because of your experience, it's all just kind of a mismatch and whatever strongest comes I through think in the moment? the two strongest ones for me in in my life and still true to this day is what you would consider the healing side, but this is empathic. I feel my Mm -hmm. feelings, energetic feelings, and then the intuitive imagery that will hit me are the two that whenever I feel something or sense something, so to speak, those are the two parts of my gifts that I go to, to get confirmation. Because like I've said many, many times, I'm very stubborn. I'm a Leo. And I need to hear things three times. So we, the joke is, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll poke at you once, poke at you twice, poke you three times. The next time it's a redwood upside the head. So I like to avoid the redwood. So I try to get it in the first three times. But in that with my guides, knowing that I tell them all the time, if it's something I need to stop everything I'm doing and deal with it. I need it three times in quick succession. So it needs to be, you know, within a short period of time. It could be three times in a day. It could be three times in an hour or even right in the moment. But that will literally make me stop everything I'm doing and go completely out of my comfort zone and address it. Because it Mm -hmm. may be with me or with somebody else or a phone call or talking to a stranger in a public place, which I'm very shy. I don't usually do that. But that's the thing that you have to trust. 
And for me, it is that sensation, that empathic, because I will feel like, you know, Karen says, I want to go and do this. And then as I talk about it, I feel physically like a set of hands on my chest pushing me back. That to me is a no. So then, you know, I ignore it. And then we talk about it again and I'm all excited about doing it and I feel the push again. So now that's the second time I've had that conversation talking about the thing I want to do. And then the third time I feel the push and I'm like, you know what? I need to say something because for some reason I'm not supposed to do this because every time I talk about it, I'm getting pushed. And the thing that's important to that is a lot of people, you know, and I, and I think you're like that. And my friend Michelle's like that is that, well, why, why, why can't I do it? Why, why? Mm -hmm. And me, because of my experience, like you said, and the years that I have been doing this and my faith and trust in my guides, they're like, no. And I'm like, okay. So I just don't, I don't question it because it feels important enough that I had to be pushed. You know, they physically made me go, "Uh uh-uh, that's not good. There's something there. And sometimes I will ask, but I would say 98% of the time, once I get a a no, I just leave it at that and go on. Right. Because I trust it. You know, I bet my life on it. I, every single day when I get things, I just trust it. And I trust that connection and feeling that I have intuitively and empathically. So those are the two that I would say out of all of my gifts that I go to hearing when you hear something, it freaks you out, but I hear, but I don't hear all the time, mm-hmm. but intuitively that knowingness in my brain that there's no way on God's green earth, I could know that I just trust it. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's it. Yeah. The answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> is Michelle a Capricorn? No, oh. she is a Taurus. Ah, okay. Well, that also makes sense. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Capricorns and Tauruses are get along very, very well. So, yeah. Um, and then lastly, before we close out with maybe one more cool story, do you have any recommendations or tips for anybody that's wanting to develop their skills as either a psychic or channel medium or healer? I know that's a big question, so I don't, you know, maybe just a couple, a couple tips or advice, and maybe we can extend into another episode um, more details. Cause I know that's a big question with a very wide range of possibilities. Right. So let me just say the basis of any of those developments first is going to be focusing on trusting your intuition and having faith that you are being guided. And I can tell you the number one tool for that is a journal and tracking those thoughts and feelings that come forward. The journaling, I'm telling you, is your own personal inside validation. Because if you want to try to remember everything you ever thought five days later and you're my age, it's not going to (laughs) happen. You have a journal and you've written down intuitive feelings. You don't know why you're thinking it. It's kind of out what I call left field thoughts. Write it down. Put the date and time you did it and write it down. You know, could be in big description or little. It doesn't matter. You just need to trigger information to come back to your consciousness. You just need Mm -hmm. a bit. 
And then when something happens and you get that deja vu or that bujade, you <laughs> have that ability to go back somewhere and go, why is that familiar? Let me look at my journal. And I'll tell you that I have looked at my journal many times and found things going, oh my God, mm-hmm. <laughs> when did I write that? Because mm-hmm. when I write, I just finish writing and I shut it and I walk away so that I don't get entangled in what it is in the moment. I usually will go back in a day or two and read it or go back. And I I have all my journals dated, you know, from the date it started and ended because I write on so many things so that I can try to track where it was. And I've had things that have come months and years later and the confirmation is back in my journals. So that's important as a healer, like you did with your friend trusting. Don't judge it. Just put your hands where they have to go and let that internal conversation drop out and just say, okay, I'm ready here to connect and listen, guide me. And then just listen to it and trust your hands and pay attention to all of your senses, what you're feeling empathically, what you're sensing energetically. Like I said, I feel tingles and stuff, almost like my hands are magnets. So I know where the bad stuff is. And then also as a channel, same thing. When I channel, I say, okay, this is what I want to do. You know, you guys come on in and I just move myself to the side and allow it to come through. So the trust and faith is what's coming through is what's meant to be given to that person. It may have nothing to do with you and it just for them. So detach yourself from it and allow that higher vibration. Always ask for your protection and guidance of your team, but allow that information to move through. And as a medium, connecting to the other side, remember whatever you receive from the other side in the most loving, caring, gentle way, you want to share that. How would you want to hear that? Would you want to be scared or would you want to be supported? And so again, all of those things, I can't tell you more enough that you need to write it down, what you're thinking, feeling, and sensing, and then go back weekly and read your stuff out loud to yourself so you can process it in that other part of your brain that helps you start to become the student of the wisdom that is flowing through you. Because it does. And if you just read it quietly, you're not actually doing the same process. You need to read it out loud and hear your words because it will bring the memory of that moment back into your cells and into your consciousness and guide you forward. So that's what I would tell you. I would tell you those are the best things. Those are the best tools that I have. And it has always been my journal, 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 journal. (laughs) and then go back and read it out loud. And allow yourself to rehear it because then it's going to access more information. Because, you know, you hear about, and I'm sure Kelly, you've heard me talking about my ears ringing. Ah, that's a download. I'm getting more downloads information. I don't know what it is, but the information is put into my subconscious. And when things trigger it, like a client calling, going, Hey, do you do this? And I'm like, Uh, 
then all of a sudden I get a yes. And I'm like, oh, I guess that information's coming forward. So that's what you're doing is when you go back and reread your journal, you may actually be accessing that information that has been downloaded into your subconscious from your guides and angels for you to use. But you need to read that out loud to access and trip the trigger within your mind to bring it forward into your conscious mind and start to access more of your own natural gifts, your own abilities, and start trusting them. So this is such an important step to begin to trust yourself, but take the baby steps and do that. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. Journal, journal, journal. Have a journal for all the things Karen just described more on the (laughs) spiritual side. You're out and about and you don't have your journal with you or you feel self-conscious about pulling it out in the middle of Target when you have a thought. Send yourself a text message and write it down when you get home. Um, or if you have a loose piece of paper, just randomly somewhere, write it on there and tape it in your journal. When you get to the house, like make it simple for yourself, you know, do whatever is going to work for you. I send myself text messages all the time, not necessarily. Or you can be like, you know, how everybody has the, the earbuds in their ears or whatever, Mm -hmm. just act like you're talking to somebody and do a voice memo. Yeah. That works just (laughs) as well. Voice memos are great. Um, Right. And then you actually just have to listen to it because now it's reading it to you. Exactly. I personally like actually writing in journals because I think that the energy of what you're feeling is, you know, you can be, you can feel that whenever you go back and read your journal. Me personally, I have several different styles of handwriting. I don't have just one style of handwriting. So when I go back and I look at either a dream journal or a regular journal of documenting just stuff that's happened during the day or things like that. I can almost immediately tell what state of mind I was in the second I look at it by the way it's written. So I think that handwriting has obviously a big play in things and it it holds that energy. And I think for me personally. And that's absolutely right. Because what you're saying is that's that creative expression. You, when you're making something, you're doing art, the energy of the moment and that creative Mm -hmm. muse is upon you. And the same thing, like you're saying that journaling in the moment of whatever you're feeling, you can tell what's going on and it's in there. And that's why I said, it's not about having to write a big massive thing, but just enough to re-trigger that feeling and emotion back into your body and more comes forward. Perfect. Well, I think uh, we're about at a spot where we can close it out. Do you want to do one more quick story? I can tell a quick one and you want (laughs) to, do you have another one you want to tell? You go first. Okay. Mine's super short, so you won't have long to think, but here we go. (laughs) I suppose this falls into the realm of a psychic vision I had once, which was really fascinating. Obviously, I can't 100% confirm the accuracy of it, but I'm fairly confident that what I saw was, was correct. I was in Lyon, France with my good friend Amandine, who used to live there in 2014. And we were walking down Old Town Lyon. And as with many European cities, unlike here in the States, there's buildings hundreds of years old that are still in existence and still being used for restaurants and bookstores and things like that. And it just I'm like in awe by it when I see them. It's Mm -hmm. really amazing. So we had we were in Old Town Lyon. So obviously the older part of Lyon. And we walked into this restaurant because we needed to use the restroom. And 
they said, yeah, no problem. You guys can use it. Not a big deal. The restaurant itself hadn't even like really opened. It was in the evening. It was like five o'clock or something. So they were just about to open for their dinner guests. And they said, yeah, you can use the one downstairs. And so we said, okay, cool. So we walked down these stairs and they were like a full spiral stair, but they had a little bit of a curve to them. And we walked downstairs and what this was, it was like kind of like quote their basement, but it was their overflow for when either they had like a large party that they needed to see like 20 or 30 people or when they just needed to overflow seating, but it didn't have any windows while she was in the restroom, I was sitting there and there weren't any tables out. They were all pushed up against the walls. The tables were up because they weren't planning on using it that evening. And I was standing there and all of a sudden I got this flash in my head of what I assumed was like a medieval, like middle age time era. And I saw this guy with his hand on the table and it got chopped off. Like they chopped his hand off. And like, there were these people in all around. And it was like, the people in the backgrounds were definitely there, but they were kind of a little bit more blurry. They weren't mm-hmm. as defined as this one guy was. And people were just kind of milling about, like, it was like a thing that just happened. Oh, and then they just go on and drink <laughs> their beer. And I was just like, what? The world just happened. And in my mind, I got the feeling like that he had like stolen something or that he had gotten into a fight with the barkeep or something. I don't know what it was, but I didn't really feel his pain, but I saw it. It was like kind of like watching a movie. Like I could see it very clearly. Smack, wrist, hand gone. And I was like, that's weird because that was one of the first times I had ever really seen a vision. And Mm -hmm. I was just like, Oh, huh. This is weird. Maybe I'm just like, you know, I'm in Old Town Leon. I know it's a super old city. I'm just imagining, you know, something that would have happened here. Right. But it felt so real. I said, okay, well, I'm not really going to tell Amandine this, but I am going to ask her to ask the waiter how old this building is because I want to know if I'm even remotely in the right. Maybe he's like, oh, this was built in. 1905. Okay. Well then, you know, possibly my vision was not right, even though technically I guess the land could still, something else could have been there once before. But so we go up, we talk to the waiter and she's like, can you tell us when this building was, was built? And he just kind of looked at us like, why do you want to know that? And she she was just like, she's American. She wants to know. And he's like, oh, okay. And he was like, yeah, it was built in like 14, 86 or 92 or something. And it's literally at the very end of the late middle age period. I think the late middle ages ends like 1485 or I looked it up or something, Mm -hmm. but right before 1500. So it was right there at the cusp of it. And so as soon as he said the time frame, I was like, okay, I know I'm right. I know what I saw freaking happened. I know what I saw (laughs) happened. I know that I was picking up on a residual energy or something. I don't know why I saw it. It had no bearing on anything that I was doing. And I was just like, yep, okay. As soon as he said the date, whatever it was now, I can't remember, but it was at that exact time period. I was was 1000% convinced and nobody will ever convince me otherwise. And that was one of the coolest things that I've ever seen without like, especially in the very beginning before I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe I do have a gift. (laughs) You do. You definitely do. I have always said that. It was very cool. um, I'm trying to think. My story's not quite as cool, but um, I was 
Okay. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. She's got like 5 million other ones that are 5 million times cooler. So it's all good. Here where I am in Tempe, I was sitting in the living room with my friend and I was in like this little swivel rocker rocker chair. And where I was sitting, I was looking kind of at the TV, but I had vision of down the hall and the hall goes straight, I don't know, maybe 12, 15 feet. And there's two bedrooms on either side of the hall down towards the end and a bathroom at the very end. So I can see down there and in my peripheral as I'm talking with her, I start seeing things going from, let's say it would be the left side of the hall to the right side of the hall where there were no doors. Okay. It was in like from a part in the wall between two doors into an area where the, what is that thing for the air conditioning, like the ventilation or whatever, the big door that houses something for that. So I was like, okay, that's interesting. And it was peripheral. So I couldn't make it out. And I'm like, I kept seeing it and I could feel this energy and I'm thinking, this is weird. So I'm not going to say anything because you know, my friend's very empathic too. And, and I turned my head just a wee bit more so I could get a straight eye look at it. And I looked down there, there's good old Abe Lincoln walking from one side of the wall. Shut up. I swear, walking from one side into the other. And I looked and I saw him. He stops in the middle of the hall looks at me, nods his head, tips his hat, and moves on. And I'm like, okay, so you can see me too. All righty then. Oh, I ha- oh, my story's not that cool. <laughs> A historical figure tipped his hat at you. How is that not freaking cool, bro? I don't know. It just was so weird. And Okay, was- but I have so many follow-up questions now. All right, sorry, what? are you done with the story? Was yeah, that it? I, there was, well, there were- Abe Lincoln was like the big one because he's very clear in who he is, you know, the top hat, the whole thing. But there were several other people. Like I saw a woman dressed in like prairie clothes, like from uh, like little house on the prairie era, you know, so they were all from different spans of time. Oh, okay. I saw I, this is, mm, we're going to have to do another episode now because <laughs> this is, I thought um, it was simple. Simple. Sorry if y'all just heard me slap my desk. Simple. How is that simple? I saw six or seven people from different time periods walk through a portal in my house. Yeah. How is that simple, Karen? Well, it's kind of like the angel singing that I hear almost every night. No, that is not the same thing. I mean, that's also probably very cool, but no, because this. Oh, see, now you got me hyped up. Okay, we were just about to close out and now you got me hyped up because that is a cool freaking story because- That's what I told you. I don't recall ever hearing that one before, but it's really intriguing to me because that brings in other topics that are, quote, not necessarily spiritual, but potentially scientific as far Mm -hmm. as- portals and dimensional crossovers and time travel and things like that, which aren't necessarily on a quote, spiritual plane. Although it is, you know, the whole point of our podcast is not just about 
angels and loved ones that right. have passed over, right? It's, it's the unseen stuff. The unseen universe of all things that we don't quite understand. So to me, what that sounds like is there's definitely some sort of like portal loop or something, vortex. I don't really know what to describe well, what it, obviously, me, but they made me feel like it was a portal and a transition walk through space. So they were, it was like I felt like, you know, I was on Star Tours and we were boarding get on to star tours it was very interesting because it was very clear abe was the one who stopped and looked and tipped his hat but he was conscious that you were there looking at him or yeah because he acknowledged me he but the other ones were walking through first and didn't look down at me but when i turned my head to get a more dead-on look at least with one eye then he looked and he saw that i could see him and he fully stopped nodded his head, tipped his hat, and then went on. So now the question arises. Oh, man, you suck. Okay, so now the question (laughs) arises. Okay, maybe we just need to do another episode because this is going to go on way too long. This is like we're already at like an hour 40. Okay, so do you... in? intuitively you feel like he was acknowledging you specifically or do you feel like that was a residual energy like part of his residual energy of something that he would do and as he was walking through that portal it was like something came you know and he stopped and tipped and not you feel like it was specifically for you like specifically acknowledged me okay so then the question also is do you feel like he was aware that because clearly you're in a different time space you have different house decor different clothing like you know people dress differently look differently so do you feel like he was or any of them but since he's the one who interacted that it was a I'm aware I'm going through this portal or was it just like I'm walking and I I mean because like to be quite honest if I was walking through a portal And I looked over and I saw somebody that was dressed in period piece from the 1700s. I'm not so sure if my reaction would be, oh, cheerio, hello, and move (laughs) on. I'd probably be like, what TF is happening right now? So it almost sounds like he's gone through this portal many times and it's just like, oh, yeah, that's just another stop on the train. Yeah, that's what it felt like because of the type of people that were in the succession I probably saw about 20 people move through and so and they were all from different periods they were not all a blink in time like I said there were prairie people there were other people dressed different ways I can't remember because in my mind right now I'm getting a flash of like a old fire suit like a fireman but I can't remember that really for sure so I'm not but I do remember the period of like little house on the prairie time prairie dress you know clothing Abe Lincoln was the most pronounced one because he was so tall and but do you think he he was aware he was walking through a portal and that absolutely leads me to just so many other questions like is this Abe Lincoln as a crossover or was this like Abe Lincoln and you were like seeing like back in time in multiple different time periods all at once I just like my mind is really like on exponential mode right now Karen so thanks for not letting me be able to sleep tonight because I'm gonna have five million questions I'm gonna go journal and be like let me ask Karen every question I can think of for the next episode What I will tell you was the immediate feeling was they were all aware they were passing through to a next thing because all of the people 
were not succinctly like they weren't like five people from Abe Lincoln time, mm-hmm, five mm-hmm, from this. Every, mm-hmm. every other person was different. So they were not all the same. So they and they felt very much energetically, consciously aware of the person in front of them and behind them. That was the feeling I had because there was spacing. And when he stopped, the people behind him stopped. So it wasn't like people walked through him. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't help with any of the answers to the questions. <laughs> you make me laugh. You're so funny. It really doesn't. It just brings on more questions. Yeah, here. See, like, I thought I was giving like, you just a simple, is, boring little thing. Is, oh yeah, my my story's not nearly as cool as your hand being cut off. Or <laughs> seeing a hand being cut off. <laughs> yeah, because it's like, well, was this energy as Abe Lincoln coming through in a way so that you would recognize it as Abe Lincoln? See, this is what is so fascinating and also frustrating for me about these topics is because like there is no definitive answer and I can't find out what the answer is because there's nobody to freaking ask because nobody really knows. So like you can only obviously, you know what you know and you know intuitively and the messages that you're getting. But like at the end of the day, is it like, okay, so is that Abe Lincoln like when he actually lived and he knew that there was this portal and he was keeping it under wraps and he was just doing his thing? Or is this Abe Lincoln after he passed away and it's the energy as Abe Lincoln and he's just like doing his thing, jumping from dimension to dimension to go over to dimension X45 so that he could like avoid the gunshot? Like, I don't understand. So the part where you're saying that was he alive and moving through this portal? No. This is his spirit afterwards. Uh-huh. Definitely that is how I feel because that the way all of the energies, the first few, as I started to catch it peripherally, there probably was about eight of them that went through because I kept going, looking sideways going, yep, yep, that's not real. It's not happening. I'm just seeing shit. <laughs> and then I'm like going, okay, well, let's see. They're still moving. Let me turn my head a little bit more. So like I was still looking at her, but had a better straight eye view at the hall because the thing is for me, when you see peripherally, this is stuff we can talk away. When you look at things and you mm-hmm. see it in front of you, straight eye, this mm-hmm. is reality. You got to deal mm-hmm. with it. Yep. And so that's why I turned my head a bit more. And then that's when a few more people than Abe Lincoln came out. And I was like, wow. I'm like, okay. And I was in my mind going, holy cow, that's Abe Lincoln. And then he stopped. And it was like, he heard me because I wasn't saying anything. I was just thinking it. And he turned towards me and he nodded and I, and I nodded just in, you know, automatically went, uh-huh. <laughs> and he tipped his hat and yes, then kept going. I'm like, uh-huh. I'm like, do I salute? What do I do? <laughs> <laughs> and he just, so I just nodded it and he went on. And I was like, that is so crazy. And then I watched more because the first ones never even looked down the hall at me. He was the first one that looked down the hall at me and acknowledged me. So I knew he saw me. And that's why he turned and tipped his hat and everything. I'm like, okay, so he really saw me. He sees that I am not in that space. And they continued moving through walls. They were not going through doors. It was from wall to wall. And so it was like, all I can say is it was like a a portal that thinned enough that I could see the space. So like I couldn't see where they were coming from in, in the wall, I just saw the wall and they were popping out, crossing the hall and going in the other wall. <laughs> so it was just like this small space. And it just, I don't have know. Have you how seen it before? I mean, have you seen it since or just that one time? 
Um, at that particular space. At this house, I've seen it twice. That time and one other. And the other time, what happened? Just random. Oh, I saw George Washington. No. Just random people. I'm like, oh, they're going. But what is cool? So here, this will tweak your little brain. Her cat sits and watches them too. Wow. So well, that doesn't really them. surprise me because cats are, I mean, animals are right. very so psychically. It was validating tune, for so. me when she told me that her cat was watching them. Yeah, that really is so fascinating. Really cool. I definitely, you've never told me that before. And if you did, you didn't mention Abe because I would have remembered that very <laughs> specific fact. Because it's also interesting because it's like I've heard, which I would love to address on another episode. I've also heard stories of people time traveling and seeing themselves as a kid or seeing themselves as an adult and not realizing Mm -hmm. it until like I heard the story recently where I don't remember all the details. I'd have to look it up. But basically there was this young kid as a boy and he like had this dream or I don't remember exactly how it happened but he saw this guy in his kitchen making a sandwich in a flannel shirt I might be telling the details a little wrong but for the sake of the purpose of the story and the kid was like oh that was odd I don't know what that was all about like I don't remember the situation if it was a dream or if he was standing you know in a room and he just saw it or whatever and then years later like 20 years later he was like in his late 20s, early 30s. And he said he was standing at his kitchen counter and all of a sudden he saw something out of the corner of his eye and he turned around and there was a little boy there that just looked at him and vanished. And he was making, the adult was making a sandwich. He had like this flannel shirt on and all of a sudden he was like, holy crap. I think I saw myself as a when I was a kid, I think I saw my moment right now. And right now I just saw the kid seeing me and that sort of stuff blows my freaking mind (laughs) because I have heard many stories like that. I like, I've heard this other story about this, these like two or three kids that were ages like eight through 12 or something around 10 years old, something like that. And they were riding their bikes and they went out like kind of on this country road or whatever. And they rode their bike and they came across this house, this old Victorian house. And they were like, oh, wow, this is a really cool Victorian house. We've never seen this before. Then this kid in like Victorian period piece came out and just like stood there and just stared at them and was just staring. And then the mother of the kid who was also in Victorian dress, sorry, I said Victorian piece, Victorian dress also came out and kind of gathered the kid and kind of looked over there at the two or three kids that were riding their bike and just kind of like mm-hmm. shooed the her, her son back into the house. So then they left and the next day they were like telling their older brother or sister or something. And they were like, you got to come see this house. It's so cool. It's so cool. And they drove out there and they couldn't find it or rode out there and they couldn't find it. And then they finally found the spot there was no house. Literally the only thing that was left was the foundation of an old house, like just the slab where, well, it wasn't a slab because they didn't, I don't think they did slabs in no, but probably just a stone foundation. Base. Yeah. Of the house. And so basically they were seeing like this residual energy or was it like these people had time traveled back for the moment or was it a time slip where like these people are there constantly in their energy, but we don't physically see them anymore. But the energy of the time slip is still there. Like it's a hot mess and it really gets me going. So thanks for bringing all that up and us derailing off to nothing to do with um, mediumship. So here you go, guys. Welcome to Unseen Universe. It's all, it's all in, all in all. It all, it's all encompassing. 
And I tell you what, I'm not going to talk about it anymore, but I could talk about it for hours. So buckle up for future episodes. (laughs) Buckle up, buttercup. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's it's very interesting that the feeling was very clearly they were aware of what they were doing. I was aware that they were dead and this was the energy of them from their lives. So like, where like, were they going? I want to know. What were they doing? Where were they going? What, what, what are they doing, y'all? I I didn't get that, but I <gasps> felt like where they were heading was another level, another area they needed to move on to mm-hmm. because it was many of them. But once I saw Abe, I maybe got eight more people after him or so. And then then the vision of what I saw, the veil thinning in that area went away. And then it was like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to walk down your hall now and see if I feel anybody. (laughs) And has she, has she seen it before? No, she senses it. Uh She never has seen it, but she goes, the cat does. She goes, you better tell them they better make sure they keep that portal clean, good energy only. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Hmm. So, but what's funny is I now live here and it's just outside my room. And yeah. see, I and would be that sound... weirdo that like set up camp at the end of the hallway and just stood there like for days on end and just like watched. But then of course it wouldn't come, right? Right. Because well, because, because it was so random. We were just sitting there quote, and unquote, it was random. It, it was the middle of the day. It wasn't like dark and nighty. It was, you know, the house was bright, it was clear. So it wasn't like a shadow. It was full color people. I mean, I saw the color of his skin. I saw his hat the black, the white, and the people in the other clothes, they all had color. They weren't just vapory things, you know? But I was like, I'm like, wow, they're just passing through. Like Terrifically fascinating, man. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. What a great story to end out on. Sorry, guys, this episode went, I told Karen, oh, don't worry. This is going to be like a really short episode, nice and easy. This is literally our longest episode we've ever recorded. And I'm not going to split it up into two parts. People are just going to have to push on through because these are some good stories at the end. So we'll see um, if you wouldn't have asked me for that extra story, you wouldn't have gotten it. <laughs> I started not to, cause I was like, dang, we're already like really long, but we got to end the episode on a cool story. So thank you for that because it is not to overuse the word intriguing, but it is very intriguing and fascinating. And we will definitely probably touch base on maybe do a full episode on various portals and time slips and alternate dimensions and the ways that they come through to people sometimes. Like I was in an alternate, alternate dimension in a dream once. So it all is a little bit different, but thank you guys for sticking with us through this, um, fairly long episode after I edit, I don't know how long it'll be, but it definitely will be over an hour and a half, probably an hour and 45 ish. So we appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thank you, Karen, for all your wonderful knowledge and storytelling as always. It's always fun. And well, thanks for asking all the great questions and getting them (laughs) pulled out of my brain that, you know, on a daily situation, I don't think about them until you ask. And then I'm like, you, you tell a story and then I'll find one. And I'm like, oh, this one's boring. I'll just tell that one. (laughs) Y'all like, I don't know what what spectrum you're on as far as boring and not but clearly we're not reading the same dials so (laughs) but all good all good but thank you guys so much next week we are going to probably i'm not sure now that we've had this talk i don't know what we're going to touch on next episode we may get into no clue yeah we may get into the description of all the clairs that 
kind of piggyback off of mediumship and all of that, clear audience, clear sentience, all that clear sentience. Your clear alls. Your clear alls. We may we may talk about that, if not in the next episode, then in definitely a one very soon coming up. And with that, if you guys could please like, follow, and share our episodes, our pages, please go onto iTunes and log in. It'll take less than five minutes, write us a review, give us a five-star review. If you like what you're hearing, that way it can boost us up in the polls and more people can actually uh, see us or our name will come up higher in the searches. So that way we can spread the love and we would really And that we're more it. international. And that we're more international. Yeah. I want to <laughs> hit so I want to hit, we haven't hit Africa yet and we haven't hit Asia yet. So I would love to Scotland. At, <laughs> Uh, we don't have South America yet, but I would love to hit all of those. So please share and let us know uh, of any questions, comments, anything that you want clarity on. We are definitely both here. And if it's something you give us permission to read on the air, we will certainly discuss that on air as well, because your story and your question most likely is similar or you have the same questions as other people that maybe they're just too scared or not really comfortable in asking. So hit us up, please. With that, you can find us on Twitter at unseen universe underscore. You can find us on Facebook at unseen universe podcast, and you can email us at podcast at zintuhealing.com. All of those will be in the show notes. And then, of course, if you want to leave us a voice message, like we're in the year 2002, which is amazing, you can go to our anchor page, which is our platform page, anchor.fm slash unseen dash universe. And you can literally send us a voice message. We would love to hear your voice. And again, if it's something you give us permission for, we will absolutely put it on air. So anything else? I think that's it. We are grateful for your time, your energy, and your following of us. It means a lot to us. We enjoy it. And we hope that we can continue sharing woo-woo cosmic information with you to help you you grow your spiritual journey. So thank you for being here. Namaste and good vibes. Ah, namaste and good vibes, y'all. Bye. Bye.